0: And so a warm welcome to you all
1: um, to the first of our new format guest speaker events. So typically on the first Wednesday of most months, we're going to host a guest speaker who will offer some expertise in a way that's hopefully accessible to everyone with an interest in mindfulness. And then this guest talk will be followed up by a workshop that goes a little deeper into, into that expertise and same theme later in the same month. And sometimes those workshops will be for a broad group of participants and perhaps on other occasions they might be more specialist with some eligibility requirements for people in the teaching community or working with a specific population, for example. So just to check that you're all expecting to hear a guest talk from David Trelevin, PhD, the theme of which is mindful resilience, navigating trauma with compassion and strength. So David's follow up workshop will be in a fortnight's time and that one will be trauma sensitive mindfulness, nurturing resilience and empowerment. And that'll be suitable for anyone with an interest in mindfulness. And I'll post the registration link in the chat towards the end of this session. So there'll be an opportunity towards the end of David's talk to ask some questions, but just to warn you that it's unlikely that there may not be time to address them all. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to David. David Treleven, PhD, is an accomplished author and influential expert in the field of trauma-sensitive mindfulness. He's the author of the book, Trauma-Sensitive Mindfulness and founder of the Trauma-Sensitive Mindfulness Community, a group of practitioners committed to setting a standard of care through mindfulness-based practices, interventions and programs. His work has been adopted into multiple mindfulness teacher training programs around the world, including UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center, the Engaged Mindfulness Institute, and Bangor University's MA in Mindfulness program in the UK. And so without further ado, over to you, David. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks, Sally. Thanks for the intro. Um, And thanks, Kit, who's also taking care of tech and the whole team here from OMF. Thank you so much for being here and your support and thanks everyone for coming. Um, it's really sweet to be with you. I'm in the earlier part of my day. And I think for many of you, you'll be uh, in the later part. Uh, I've heard a lot about this community. I realize some of you might be newer to this group and others of you might be, um, coming more consistently, but I remember hearing about this. I was starting to do more online work around trauma and mindfulness, right. As COVID was really, uh, exploding. And so it was such an intense time for the topic of trauma, but also this so much was opening up with OMF doing these groups. And so it's so cool to be here with you all and know that there's been a really steady thread um, of this community. And yeah, just really happy to be here. Um, as Ali said, so I'll be doing a workshop um, a couple of weeks from now that will take a deeper dive in the topic around trauma-sensitive mindfulness. And really, I want this to be a a great practice session for all of you. Um, I know when I'm hopping on Zoom calls like this, I like hearing lecture, but I also really just like being in practice. So my hope is to convey kind of the feeling of this work. And also, I want this to be just useful for all of you. And you felt like this was a great use of your time. So we'll do some practices around trauma-sensitive mindfulness. I'll say a couple of things up front here. Uh, but really, we'll just dive in so you get the feeling of it. And if you're interested and you want to go deeper, please come back in a couple of weeks. It'd be great to have you. Um, why don't we start with a practice? Um, actually, can I, I, Kit? I have a favor too. If I don't know if it's possible to not make me co-host because I get all the notifications of people coming in the um, uh, in the waiting room. So if it's possible, to take me off co-host. That'd be great. If not, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Let's. Why don't we do a practice? Uh, this will be a short one, just to start help us um, help us land. So find a posture you'd like to be in for a couple minutes, and uh, you're welcome to have your eyes open or closed during this practice. You can have your cameras on or off as well, but we'll just take a couple minutes here to to land and settle together. So if you'd like, you could take a couple of deeper breaths here to begin. A longer inhale, if you'd like pausing at the top and a gentle exhale, just finding the pace that supports some regulation and some presence. We'll talk more about the breath in a couple of weeks, but it is a useful starting place. Just often slowing the breath supports a bit of parasympathetic activation, helps us to downregulate, come into our window of tolerance. So just giving yourself a few breaths, a little bit of time, and then invite you also to uh, tune into some sensations related to the ground. So that could be uh, buttocks in a chair, or the feet touching the ground. Just tuning into some contact points of the earth supports some ground here. And then let's all take a moment together just noticing how we're coming to this session. This is really the power of mindfulness is noticing what's happening as it's happening. So tuning your attention into the mind and body and just see if you can notice what's here without trying to shift it. So, for example, like, what's your mood right now? You could even label it if that'd be helpful. One or two words, maybe engaged, excited, or frustrated, or even neutral, just whatever is true for you. And if you notice what your mood is, you could also see if there's any particular information that told you that's what your mood is. Maybe sensations in the body, your energy level, narratives that are here. And just seeing if there can be a basic acknowledgement that that's what's here. almost some agreement with whatever you find. And then for the final part of this practice, just invite you to bring to mind and heart your inspiration for being here in this session. Why show up? Maybe the topic spoke to you, or it's a commitment to your life and practice. Or maybe there's there's other people that you're serving that this is in service of. So just letting that be present as well. And then in the next few breaths, we'll start to shift out of this practice. So just taking your time, inviting maybe a couple more deeper breaths or some movement, whatever's going to support a shift here. And then just letting this practice go and we'll come back here together. Great. Thanks, everyone. If you had your cameras off and you feel like turning them back on, no pressure. It's always just nice for me to get to see you all now here. So let me say a couple things about this topic generally, just very brief overview. My work for the past about 15 years has been around the relationship between meditation and trauma that came from some some personal experiences i had on retreats where i was working my butt off trying really hard going on a lot of longer-term retreats and was having difficulty in practice and eventually had a number of close friends and colleagues who said you might want to consider just looking at trauma and your own experience here and it's a, it's a longer story but i ended up doing some research and then dissertation around this topic where I really was looking at contemporary mindfulness teaching through the lens of trauma, almost like using all the best literature as a pair of glasses, almost like I could put a pair of glasses on that were about being a trauma expert, and then looking through the, all the different practices, and then asking the question, what would a very skilled trauma professional say about the ways that we practice meditation. That's, that was really what I was up to. So then inside of that, the headline that really came out of a bunch of years of research, not just mine, but other people is that meditation can either help or hinder people who are struggling with trauma. And Usually this was total a little counterintuitive where people would say, well, you know, mindfulness has been shown to reduce stress. Trauma is a form of stress. Therefore, you'd think that, you know, if someone practiced meditation and mindfulness, that it would help them with traumatic stress. A lot of the time that's true. And then for reasons that again, we'll cover in a couple of weeks in more detail, there's ways that traditional meditation practices won't always be helpful. Or let me say it like this if you're someone who's actively struggling with traumatic stress, you might need particular modifications and instructions around meditation to enable you to get the most out of practice. So the people that I work with are mostly meditation teachers or yoga teachers, people who offer mindfulness and body-based practices, and they're wanting to have in their back pocket what would I do if someone came to me and said, I'm having flashbacks, which is a common trauma symptom. And So I want to be clear up front in case you just come to this talk today. I'm, I am definitely not saying that uh, if you have had trauma that you shouldn't meditate, totally the contrary. It's actually very helpful for people. And it's useful to know a couple of different modifications along the way. I'll tell you one story in a second, but let me say one more thing. the last couple of years, as you probably know, trauma has become a much more popular topic. I mean, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, it's like trauma for this, trauma for that a lot, a lot of new books on it, which is awesome. It's great as someone who really cares about the topic and, and sees the world through the lens of trauma a lot. I'm happy that it's become more popular at the same time. There's been one of the pitfalls of that is that, um, Everything's being talked about as traumatic sometimes um, like oh that car that that traffic jam was really traumatic or so uh, for those that want to come back a couple weeks from now we're really going to be talking about trauma as a threat to life and limb like it's really the most intense form of stress that we can experience and it impacts us in a really fundamental way. Each of you will have had likely your own experiences either personally or witnessing trauma. it's really in the mix and, in my experience through my trauma training, the real headline is, in order to work skillfully with trauma, especially post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress, we really need to do so in a particular way. And one way is slowly and with a lot of respect. I saw, uh, I have a teacher, a mentor, and I said, what do, how would you talk about trauma? Like, what do you? what's the best metaphor you think? And she said, you could think about it like this, When someone experiences trauma, you could imagine it's a, imagine it. The nervous system is like a soda bottle or fizzy water. And imagine that when someone goes through a trauma, it's like they're shaking up the bottle with the cap on. You could call this sometimes fight flight, intense, sympathetic activation, where really it's creates a real supercharge in the body. So shaking the bottle up, it creates a lot of charge in the nervous system she said, what happens to people who are struggling with trauma in a longer term way is there's often a freeze. There's like a capping on that energy and it traps a lot of energy in the bottle or you could think like in the nervous system or the body. When you meet people who are struggling with trauma, that was me included, they're often having a lot of symptoms that are related to that fizzy water and that amount of pressure in the body. That could be a uh, intense um, anxiety uh, that could also be uh, hypervigilance or sweating, sometimes dissociation, which is we we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks, but there's often a lot of activation in the body, intrusive thoughts, intrusive memories that have to do with that charge that's in the, that's in the bottle. And here's the punchline that came from the, the metaphor, which really worked for me. She said, if you're gonna work with trauma, you need to do so in a way that doesn't flood the person. In other words, you can't just crack open the top of the bottle of the fizzy water because if you imagine what happens, right? When you do that to the bottle, it's like all the the water comes out, it floods. It's actually a term used in trauma work is there's flooding, it's too much too fast. So the way that people learn to work with trauma, there might be some trauma professionals here, so bow to you but it's really learning to work with the bottle where you're letting little bits of energy out at a time. So you know that sound that the bottle makes, right? Like, and then it goes back. Little releases at a time. That's actually what enables trauma to be metabolized and integrated over time. And in meditation, sometimes we can go a little bit too too much, too soon, too fast. The bottle gets opened up. It happens. So a lot of my work is about, okay, how would we do this in a way that's skillful and allows that little bit of energy to come out that ultimately helps someone have their life back that's, that's integrating that energy for them. Let me tell one quick story and then we're going to do a practice together. I was at a, I was at a, um, a teacher's house here. I'm in California. I'm from Canada, but I'm down here in California. And I went to uh, a teacher's house, they were doing uh, weekly meditation groups. And this teacher had been through trauma-informed training around mindfulness, so they had that background. And there was, you know, 15 people in this person's house and we were doing a, a, a meditation. And there was a newer student in this class. And at the end of the meditation, the teacher opened it up and said, I'd like to hear from people, how did that go? And the newer student, to their credit, put up their hand and said, I hated that. It was terrible. I wanted to leave. I wanted to run away. I didn't want to be here. And the, the room, you know, got a little bit quiet. Like, how's this going to go? Because I was curious, you know, how's the teacher going to respond? And I watched it happen. It was so beautiful. Because the teacher took a breath and they said, First of all, thanks for telling us. Second, great noticing like there was no personalizing of oh that was i was a bad meditation teacher or anything they just got curious about this student's experience and then they said and this is the moment i always remember is the teacher said you said that you wanted to to run away you want to get out of here do you know how far away you wanted to go and the room got quiet and the student paused and he said wow. Yeah. You know, I actually, there's a, there was a hill outside of this the house and that's where I was visualizing going. I just wanted to get out of here. And the teacher said, awesome. That's great noticing. Do you, do you want to go there? Would that feel good? And again, same thing. It was like, whoa, this is different than I think we were all expecting. And this participant said, yeah, great. So they brought a friend, they went outside, they came back in about 10 minutes and I'll never forget the, the, the look on this person's face. They looked happy. They were kind of flushed and came down, sat down. And eventually they were at, you know, do you want to share? And the student said, that was awesome. I went outside and I actually ran up and down the hill a couple times. And I feel like I'm ready to meditate. I feel like I'm ready to sit in a different way. And I offer that as an example Not to say that the person who was running outside necessarily had trauma or even that that's always the best idea. You know, we have like liability and we can't always have people running in the streets. But there was something in that move that I would suggest to you all is deeply trauma sensitive because it's it's curious and it's respectful about the nervous system and the impulses in the body, that there's some wisdom there. And that's at the heart of trauma work is really to trust the deeper impulses in the body and learn how to work with them well. So that's really what we're up to in this work is how do we approach ourselves and other people with this depth of curiosity and respect for what they might have lived through. So I want to offer you practice that we're going to do together around this, and then we'll see where we go. I'd like to open up for some back and forth with all of you, but... This will be a guided practice to help you kind of experience and feel what I mean by that story around the teacher. Some of you, if you know my work, you might've done this with me. So apologies though. It's useful, I think to do more than once. So this is going to be a guided practice. And this practice is going to involve working with our hands. If you do not have access to your hands, you can visualize the practice. You're welcome to do that. I'm going to guide us through. You can have your eyes open or closed. I'm going to have my hands here up in the, in the screen so you can see them, but you don't need to have them up here. Okay. You can have them in your lap. And this is totally optional practice, but I want you to get to kind of feel trauma sensitivity and in your own practice. So this will be probably five, four or five minutes. And to begin, just invite you to uh, let's pause together kind of as we did at the beginning of the session. So If you'd like, you could take a couple of breaths here, just a pause. Noticing how you are from the content that covered so far. And kind of just getting a baseline here for yourself. Okay. So this this practice is going to be in two parts. Again, I'll show you here, or you can keep your eyes closed and I'll talk us through it. What I'm gonna invite you to do as an experiment is with one of your hands, I'm gonna invite you to close your hand and make a closed fist. And I want you to imagine that the job of this fist is to stay closed. And by staying closed, this fist is taking care of your safety and your survival. So important job. So a closed fist taking care of your safety and your survival. Then as an experiment with the other hand, I want you to go ahead and try to open the fist and just let it be an experiment for a moment. Like see what happens to the fist. See what happens to your breath. Notice what happens and narratives in the mind. Really give yourself just a moment here, feeling what that's like. Okay, and then you can let that go. You can shake it out if you want. Okay, and we're going to do a part two of the practice. So same thing, closed fist, taking care of your safety. And then I'd like you to bring a quality of care, compassion, and respect into the other hand. So care, compassion, respect. And then whenever you're ready, go ahead and you can place that hand underneath the closed fist. And as you do that, see if you can communicate something like good job. Of course, you're closed. You're taking care of safety and survival. So that's really smart. Of course, you're, of course, you're closed. And see if you can make contact with the closed fist, just in a really mindful way with that curiosity and respect, like there's no agenda here for anything to happen. And then as you did the first round, just notice, is it what happens to the fist, what happens to the breath? And then for the final part, if you like, You could even support the fist to close a little bit. Like I'm gonna help you to do that. And notice how that feels. Okay, and then you can let that go. And we'll just pause here before um, shifting, just taking a moment, noticing if there was any similarities or differences. Between the two, there might not have been. If any sensations or emotions are there, just giving space for that. And then we'll, we'll return back here. Okay. Thanks everyone. So I offer that practice as a way to have you feel what I mean by trauma sensitive or trauma informed trauma sensitive really just means we're sensitive to the needs of people struggling with trauma and that kind of respect is a huge embodiment that we can have for ourselves and others it's not not coddling it's presence so I have a question for you all and then I want to open it up here to see if anyone wants to dialogue about it the question is does this practice hold relevance for you in your personal life or in your practice could also be in your professional life if it doesn't don't worry about it <laughs> it's all good you could just know it's like what was your learning in the practice otherwise if it does hold relevance here's a question i'd invite you to reflect on where are the places in your life That you tend to be more in the first part of the practice. Where do you tend to maybe force it with yourself or others? Like for me, for example, when I just, I will tend to get a little spacey and dissociated around certain moments when I'm in close in relationship. That's a hard place for me. I tend to want to force it like, come on, David, you should, you know, I should be here now. Or So where are the places for you that you, you tend to maybe want to go quicker than some part of you? And then conversely, where are places that you feel like, if there's any, that you're able to really bring that quality of care, curiosity, and respect to yourself or to others? Sometimes it's easier with others too. And I actually just want to open it up um, to the group here to see if there's anyone that's open to sharing. Um, again, personally, professionally, in your practice, wherever. I just love to hear, like, how is that practice for you? And does this hold relevance for you? Um, because your sharing is going to support the group here. And so um, you could chat or you could raise your hand electronically. Ali and I are going to be tag teaming this and there'll be time later for also some Q and a just about trauma more generally. Um, but let me see if there's anyone that's willing just to share, like, how was that? How are you learning for yourself and, or, um, the group here? Great. Oh, I I ask cause I think I I came up in meditation communities where if you weren't meditating, it seemed like something was wrong hmm. and, or that, you know, that the only goal was to get back to the cushion and this is the trauma sensitivity is really, I think, trying to build in just different choices, which a lot of teachers these days will have. They'll tell a student like, it's not always going to be the best thing is to stick with the intensity. Sometimes you back off and then you come back to it. So I love that you're working it. I think DBT is great. I just want to say you also, what you said about, the intelligence, like it's taking care of, There's, there's a good reason it's, it's protecting you and how necessary that to me is like, that is the core principle around this work. I had the experience of, I, I tend to just dissociate or check out in my meditation mm-hmm. and I made it a problem for so many years. I was like, God damn it, why can't I just, and a, a trauma therapist said at some in some session, that's awesome that you know how to do that. How far away do you want to go? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's so, I was, you know, trying. And it was like, that is so smart. When did you need to leave? So I just, you're that, what you just shared about how smart that is. I'm glad that both parts of the practice were um, were useful for you. So thanks for sharing it. Thank you. Anyone else probably room for one more and then we'll do a practice in case anyone else wants to jump in. Otherwise we'll, we'll do more practice here. Okay, great. Let's do some more practice. So, so I'd say a core thing that's come up here has been the possibility of having different options or choices inside of our work. And one of the core, uh, one of the core, one of the most, simple ways this gets worked out in meditation is often around anchors or objects like what we actually work with. So let me just give you an example. I worked with a student who was in a meditation training where it was primarily working with the breath and they kept feeling the breath and then becoming overwhelmed. It wasn't working for them. So they were having trouble establishing mindfulness. They weren't able to really develop any kind of sustained awareness with the breath. And they were making it a problem. And uh, it was just, it was so frustrating. But they actually had some trauma that for good reason, when they tuned into their breath, that they were becoming dysregulated and it wasn't helpful. So a teacher that they were working with started to give them some different options and say, well, you could also work with say sound, for example, or hearing Now, some of you might've experienced this in practice, but for a lot of students, this can be newer, um, not as much the last couple of years, but actually just having different options around where you're focusing your attention. So I'd like to do a practice with you all, offering you a couple of different anchors of attention. And we're gonna run through three One will be the breath and two others. We're going to do sensations and sound. And and then at the end, I'm going to give you the choice of which anchor you'd like to work with. I'm not saying here, like whichever anchor is just easiest or most comfortable. We do though, want to choose an anchor that is neutral enough that it allows us to cultivate mental stability and mindfulness. So I think it's actually useful to be able to have a, a uh, kind of a buffet of anchors that we can work with. Ideally, not more than three. I think it can become overwhelming. But having students know that they can choose anchors, I think, can be very useful. So I want to offer you a practice around that. And we'll try it together. So if you're uh, if you're up for it, you can have your eyes open or closed, and I'll guide us here this next um, this next stretch around the anchors. And invite you to really bring a beginner's mind to this practice if you, uh, depending on what kind of anchors you tend to work with. Again, this will be a practice around really cultivating choice inside of our meditations. So settling in here, like take a couple of breaths or feeling any touch points with the ground, you can do that. Again, when we're practicing mindfulness, especially if there's any of you that are newer here, we're really strengthening the capacity to know what's happening as it's happening. And so if we find ourselves lost in thought, we know that that's what's happening. We strengthen that muscle of awareness. So that's what we're going to be up to here with this really simple practice. We're going to begin here by focusing our attention on a sensation or cluster of sensations that are not overtly connected to the breath. So that could be sensations in your feet or a sensation in the hands. That could be like pressure or temperature or movement could be the buttocks in the chair if you're lying down the back against the ground seeing if you can find a sensation or a couple sensations if that's useful where you can focus your attention for this next minute the basic instruction here is if If you find yourself lost in thought or distracted, see if you can gently bring your attention back to this chosen anchor. So letting the sensation or sensations be a place to ground and rest your attention. Simple, but not easy. Again, if you ever notice yourself distracted, planning, daydreaming, just bring your attention back. And then we'll shift here to a second anchor, and that's working with sound or hearing, if that's available to you. If sound or hearing is not, you could work with touch. Otherwise, bringing attention to the soundscape around you. and letting the experience of hearing be your anchor for this next minute. Sometimes Instead of going out to the sounds around you, it's like receiving them. Noting that and letting that be your anchor. You also notice here how this anchor compares to the first. Is it easier or more difficult to rest your attention here? Good. And we'll shift to a third anchor, which is working with the breath. It's a very common anchor. could be sensations at the nostrils or the rising and falling of the chest or the abdomen. Just anchoring your attention here for the next minute. work with particular sensation of the breath or just the experience of breathing. Knowing you can return here at any point if you're lost. Every breath we're with is strengthening that muscle of mindful awareness. Once again, noticing compared to the other anchors, if the breath is easier or more difficult to focus your attention. And for the final part of this practice, the invitation is to choose an anchor that you'd like to work with for this next minute. That could be one of the three that we just practiced with, or it could be something else. But if we were going to sit for another 15 or 20 minutes, which would you choose right now? And we'll spend this last few moments in practice with whatever anchor you'd like to work with. And the next few breaths will begin to shift out of this practice. So, taking your own time here, but preparing to shift, whether with a couple of deeper breaths or some movement, but <clears throat> beginning to close the practice here. And then we will come back. Hmm. So it's, a, it's an example of a very simple and straightforward, you know, trauma-sensitive practice. Many teachers in schools have adopted something like this, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> but the breath I'd say used to be held more as kind of a core anchor and trauma-sensitive practice is more kind of practical about like what, what's actually going to work. For people, we want them to have the experience of being able to cultivate mindfulness. Focusing on an anchor that's not neutral won't always be useful. Our respiratory system is intimately tied to our sympathetic nervous system, which as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, is deeply tied into traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress. So focusing on the breath, it won't always be the easiest place for people. For most, it can be, but not for, not for everyone. So that's an example of practice. And if you end up doing more work with me, really it's, it's doing practices like that, but coming from a bunch of different angles and a body scan, for example, how would we do a body scan very well, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of different ways that we can do that. <clears throat> Let me say one more thing, and then I'll open it up for any comments or questions and um, we'll see where we go from there. So only have 10 minutes left. The I'd say that the essence of this work around you know, trauma and meditation is this question of tension or it's almost like proximity. You know, when you're with someone, I mean, you might even feel it with me here on Zoom, that if I was, if I was doing the Zoom here, that wouldn't work. But if I was doing it back here, that doesn't work either. That there's a, there, there is a sweet spot that we're always navigating I work as often as therapist and there's that amazing thing that like two, three set, three inches of difference of my proximity to someone will make a huge difference as to whether they can take a deep breath and relax or whether they're uptight. So there's, it's so nuanced. And when it comes to mindfulness and trauma, we can really cultivate um, through, I really, Gillian, you said this earlier. I thought that was so beautiful about like, what's enabling you to notice the moments when you might be getting a little harder going to the intensity. The more that we have the ability to be mindful, the more we get to work skillfully with that shaken up bottle and know, do we tighten it or do we loosen it? Do we give a little bit more room or not? That is the gift of trauma and mindfulness to me is that we're cultivating a very refined attention of knowing where, when to turn left or right when we're working with ourselves or working with other people. And more and more, I think that mindfulness is so helpful for trauma, though my work has been more often focused on where it can create um, pitfalls, which we're going to get into in a couple of weeks. So anyway, deep bow to all of you for just your practice and your work. And I think this is just adding layers to our practice and more for our toolkit. But let me, um, we have a little bit of time left. So let me open it up, see if anyone has chatted Allie. You can chat Ali with a question. You can raise your hand electronically. But let's see if there's anyone who wants to chat about your own practice or just questions about this work generally. And then we'll we'll wrap up. Allie, do you know if anyone's written in or? Oh, you're on mute. I just saw a t-shirt. I haven't
1: seen anything yet. So um, yeah. Okay. I saw a Mm t-shirt
0: that says you're on mute.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, All right. I realize.
0: (laughs) Anyone have anything? If not, we could do a practice before we go, but I just want to leave. I want to leave time for any kind of um, questions or comments. It does. It's so amazing to me. The I my experience is that some people find that very soothing, that I don't have to do anything. It's just the breath is happening on some level. It's a I'm not consciously. I mean, sometimes we are, and then other people find that tuning in to be very more uncomfortable. That you're what you're describing and all the nuanced differences between them, and some meditators I meet when they describe what you're describing, they'll really just tune in each meditation to know what anchor is going to support their practice that moment or that day. So that's great that you have that, that options. I'm glad the buttocks work too. That's the one that I use. Um, though it's often, I don't know about you. It's I, my attention slips off sometimes because it's not as dynamic. It's not as many sensations to focus on. So I'm glad that it, glad that it worked for you. Thank you. Okay, friends. Well, um, that was a quick hour. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thanks to the team. Thanks Ali, for co-hosting. I'm going to hand it back to to you, but just it's sweet to see all your faces. Also, it's sweet that I see a lot of you in the dark. So just knowing that you're like in a different part of the world and um, <laughs> have a great night. Come on back in a couple of weeks if you want. And yeah, just love being here and thanks for all your work and practice. And um, Allie, I'll turn it back over to you
1: just thank you so much David for joining us and, and you know a really interesting and and practical hour for for everyone I'm sure so